You're listening to WKXL in the morning, and I'm your host, AJ Kierstead. It's time for the New Hampshire Business Update with Jeff Feingold of the New Hampshire Business Review. Get more from them at nhbr.com. So, Jeff, we had Bob Sanders on a couple weeks ago. Thanks for sending him my way. I hope you enjoyed your uh, time away for a little bit seeing family. It was great seeing our, our granddaughter for her third birthday, which was great. Oh, nice. First time yeah. I, we've seen her for her birthday since she was born because of the pandemic. So, oh, wow. see her then. Yeah, we've seen it before, but not on her birthday. It was a lot of fun. That's great. Uh, so, top of the page, there was a uh, new release you guys have on business resources new- in New Hampshire. Uh, what's that about? Yeah, that's a publication we've been putting together every year for many, uh, many years. I think it's at least 25, perhaps more. And it's basically, uh, it, it's a, it's a li- there are lists, mostly, of businesses of, of the names and contacts of businesses and, and, and the services they offer in a variety of different uh, businesses like, you know, accounting firms, advertising agencies, advertising and marketing agencies, uh, you know, uh, event places. You know, just it goes down the whole list, the whole, the whole gamut of, uh, of B2B uh, businesses. And, and, the re- and so it's a, it's a, it's a source, resource book to let you know in one place where you can find out this information. You know, all this information obviously is available online, uh, although it wasn't when we created this thing. But it's also in one place where you can just actually look, and things are alphabetical order, so it's it's not the uh, randomness of just looking up a Google search on stuff. It, it'll give you uh, comprehensive, cohesive, uh, and comprehend and comprehensible information. How's that? That's how that can be a good little uh, right. slogan. Yeah, Write that down. <laughs> yeah, it's it's great to have resources like that out there. I know various cities produce stuff like that, but to have something that would would apply to various business owners across the state, yeah. where it's one place, where it's all these different things, is yeah. is very helpful. Well, that's you know what it was. It, it started. It, it has an interesting uh, uh, genesis. When we first started doing it, we, the first major annual publication we did started in the. Uh, mid 80s it was called the book of lists because we would we would write do lists of of different industries you know the largest employers and stuff so the the first list was the largest manufacturing employers and it was very very popular so we decided to do a series of lists every issue hmm. just a list every issue and then we got them at the end of the year we said you know we should put this into a book and we pu- we published a, a publication called the book of lists it was very very successful and for several years, it, 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 we still do it. It's very, it's very popular. It's got the names and contacts of the lar- largest employers in a wide, wide range of industries. A lot of salespeople like that book. Uh, anyway, so, oh, I bet. So, so we said, you know, we could do another one. That always came out in the winter. And we said, well, we could do one in the spring that maybe is a list of just not, not the, by ranking, but of by industry. You know, it's not just the largest, but we can go to it by industry drill down a little bit, get the smaller businesses. And that's what, that's what the business resources guide was uh, started out. That's cool. Well, everyone should check that out. It's right on nhbr.com. It's easy to get a hold of. And uh, if you got a business in the state and you're looking for resources, check that out. Exactly. That's, um, that's really what it's for. So right, right on, another thing right on the top of NHBR, I swear I'm not being lazy on this Thursday as I'm looking for things to talk about. You actually had a big picture of Steve Dupree on there. It <laughs> looks like he was uh, picked for something with regard to Peace Smiling Development face. Authority. Yes, that picture I've seen about yes. for nonstop for five years. Give him some new headshots. 
that's a good one though yeah it's a good story it's a, oh yeah it's a nice photo anyway uh steve uh apparently was nominated or uh confirmed by the uh executive council to be uh the head of the peace development authority now first of all let me just say he's been nom- he's being appointed because the previous holder of the job is someone named kevin smith whose name is probably more heard more by people lately because he's one of the candidates for the Republican nomination for U.S. Senate. He's the former town manager of Londonderry. He also chaired the Peace Development Authority for, for, for many years. Now, the Peace Development Authority is the, the organization, the entity that oversees the Peace, the former Peace Air Force Base, now called the Peace International Trade Port. And it's the it was the, the former Peace Air Force Base was shut down in the early 90s, and the development of the peace of, of the peace trade port has been an economic. To say it's a success story is just underselling it. It's it's been a a, a real amazing boom for that part of the uh, city of uh, that part of the state. Because the Air Force Base employed several thousand people. You know they were you know affiliated with the Air Force for the most part. But this has a wide range of really impressive companies, many of them employing hundreds, if not thousands of people. You have something like Lanza Biologics there. You have major, you know, uh, you have uh, breweries. You have, it's, it's a whole range of things. Plus there's the airport, which is big in freight. And uh, so this, this is the entity that oversees that. Plus they also oversee the port in Portsmouth. And I believe a couple of the airports, I think Sky Haven and Rochester, which is also part of the state-owned. So uh, what they're overseeing is a development that still that still is going on at Pease. There are still parcels available for development, and uh, the board oversees it. And and this and Steve is the one person that the governor can appoint to this board. And as I'm sure people in Concord are very well aware, Steve, you know, he's been a very very successful developer, hotel operator just really knows a lot about development. So he seems like he'd be just about the right person. To- yeah, definitely. He's built up so much around downtown Absolutely. Concord, especially mo- many of the buildings he was involved with, with either uh, reconstruction or brand new yeah. buildings. They get the Smile building and yeah. uh, the building that uh, O's is in, I believe he's responsible for doing. Yeah, I, mean, I, 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 I have to say that that before Steve started, uh, you know, working on the buildings in Concord, that South Main Street was just nothing like it is today. I mean, it really is not was nothing like it is today. And he helped open up you know, downtown Concord, stretch it out. And really, you know, it's been a great success, you know, for the city. The city is so much uh, more, there's so much more to offer mm-hmm. visitors and, and and residents now because of the development of, of the, the further development of downtown Concord. Yeah, definitely. I mean, otherwise, if that stretch after Pleasant Street is like 50% his work. and No, it's true. It's I mean, so I mean, if, and if anyone can remember, I'm sure people listening can remember that before that, there was, there was, it was nothing there. You know, there were a couple of pizza places and stuff. And, and, and you know, even the Capitol Center had just started to be hmm. developed and, uh, you know, reopened and was successful. But bringing the, the buildings there really made helped create a uh, vibrant uh, art scene in New Hampshire we were with, with the Smile Building and obviously the Capitol Center and the, and the, and the uh, Bank, of Ameri- Bank of New Hampshire Theater there. 
Yeah, very very responsible for a lot of that. I mean, what's his? Does he have some vision that he's hoping to get going over at the the peace facility? Uh, he, he, we had it. We had an interview with him, and uh, he he's pretty much just gonna have to get up to speed on things. There's a, there's a somewhat controversial proposal to develop a couple of these things, uh, remaining plots into uh, air cargo facilities, and apparently uh, uh, the neighbors there, the butters, are concerned about. You know noise and mm. stuff, and you know, and I'm just I'm just thinking. Uh, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say what I, how I stand on this, but I will let you know this. This place used to be an air force base, <laughs> right? So it, you know, it, not that far know, back, right? No, you know, thirty years ago, thirty five oh, years okay. ago, but it used to be an air force base, and there's an airport there. So I I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be difficult because it's always difficult to do something like that. But it's it's interesting, and this is going to be his first test. But he he said he has no uh, he has no agenda at this point. He said he got, and he told us he got no marching orders from the governor. Hmm. Although, as uh, Paul Briand, the uh, reporter who wrote the piece for us, who's been a longtime watcher of what goes on in Portsmouth, he said that he, he reported that uh, under uh, under Kevin Smith's. Uh, 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 you know, tenure, there was an attempt to more of an attempt to kind of privatize peas. And, and that's something that that's very controversial because it has been so successful that uh, it's, it's, it's almost like if it ain't broke myself, but you know, I, I, I you know, that's, that's still inclination from a lot of people is to, that the government has stuff, but I, the government deserves a large pat on the back for doing this. But making peace so successful, it wouldn't happen. It wouldn't have happened in private hands. Not not the way it's been developed. Very cautiously, and really very successfully. I'd imagine a lot, especially with the the supply chain shortage we're dealing with in the country. I mean, would there be? Do you have a feeling there's a big demand for adding more commercial air traffic to there? Yeah, there's a, there's there's a lot. Yeah, actually, uh, there's just been some big uh, boost of it in, uh, in in Manchester at the Manchester airport. That's by far the biggest. Uh, Know, customer they have is there's a UPS facility and others and uh, if you notice around Manchester in particular there's been a real boom in the creation of uh, warehouse facilities logistics yeah. facilities very 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 large ones like hundreds of thousands of square feet and they all want to be near the airport so I would see that, that probably I, I know there are logistics facilities on the seacoast already but this would probably because near the, because of the airport but this would probably make it even more uh, uh, more worthwhile for investors and developers to do it. And in the long run, I mean, you really need you need that sort of um, flow of materials and such on a regular basis if you want to increase manufacturing. I mean, there's a yeah. big drive to increase domestic manufacturing post-COVID-19 and to as many ways we can get it. Especially and also po and po as in the midst of the Ukraine war, I think people yeah. are becoming even more aware of how important it is. Yeah, so it'll be really interesting to see what happens with that because, I mean, if they do get more more traffic, air traffic over there in Port and Manchester, especially. I I've been in uh, Concord for eleven and a half years now, occasionally going down through Manchester Airport way and such, and yeah. it's expanded so much. I mean, there's so many runways that are around there with UPS and such having yes. all their planes come through. It's yeah, more I mean than more than travelers. Yeah, no, I mean, really, there was a time there when before Southwest moved down to Logan in Boston, uh, that Manchester airport probably had twice as much, you know, air passenger traffic, mm -hmm. but freight's always been solid. And right now, you know, you can go, you could go to the Manchester airport. It's better. It's busier now, but 
you know, for, for several years, it seemed like almost like a, a shadow of itself because, you know, because Southwest moved a lot of, because Southwest started offering flights from Boston, which were direct flights. Mm-hmm. So people in Northern Massachusetts had more of a, probably more of an incentive to go to, to Logan and even in Southern New Hampshire. And uh, this way, now, now they have a new airline there called Spirit, the discount airline, mm-hmm. which is probably helping bring traffic up. But the real growth area for that airport is is cargo, freight. So let's move over to an article I made you dig up, and then <laughs> I realized it was from two or three weeks ago. But either way, it still definitely applies uh, today. Uh, and it was an opinion piece on the workforce problem is mental health problems. And this is definitely, once again, in light of COVID, this has especially brought so many things yes. to light. And uh, whether it's the way you go to work or dealing with the work in a place that's maybe understaffed because of turnover and such exactly. and industry shifting. Um, and this must be something you've covered nonstop for decades at the business. Yes. Review. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, this is an op-ed piece by Jay Couture, who's the president in the, of uh, Seacoast Mental Health Center. And uh, it's basically uh, a perspective on what's going on, how the workforce shortage is affecting the mental health system in the state, and it's not a pretty sight. There are hundreds of vacancies for uh, mental health healthcare workers, and uh, it's not getting any better. It's been got actually. There's a graph here that just shows how it skyrocketed since COVID, because you know, it, it, one problem is it's not the best-paying job. Second problem is it's not much of a pipeline of people to take the jobs, and because of that, people there's a there's, a, there's been a need to improve the mental health system in the state anyway. And under COVID, I think uh, the, the stress on the industry and actually the stress on, on residents of the state has made it more of a need for uh, mental health care. And unfortunately, it, it's, it's, le- it's less available because of, this, because of this workforce shortage. And there's been programs to help, you know, state programs to help uh, ease it a little bit, make it a little bit more... Uh, profitable for people or, or you know, worthwhile for people to enter the mental health care field. But it's it's a long-range problem that uh, really needs to be addressed. And I think it's, um, it's something that gets put on the back burner by uh, policymakers. And I, when I say that, I mean the le- legislature. And, you know, they, they, they nibble around the edges, but it's not really addressing the issue. And I have to say another thing. I was in the at Dartmouth-Hitchcock, at a Dartmouth-Hitchcock facility just the other day, and uh, I went to check in, and there was a line, and you know, you just, you can expect the line to check in, but there's a sign there that says, please bear with us, Dartmouth-Hitchcock, like almost every other healthcare provider in the country, in the U.S., is experienced, uh, you know, workforce shortages, and you might have to wait longer, you might have, you know, and, and, you know, basically saying, you know, we're trying. We're trying our best, but we have. We just have a limit on how many people we could have, and I know that Dartmouth could, would hire probably 500 people today if they could. You know, they know that they're very, very uh, stressed in that area, and that's the biggest employer in the state. And I'm sure the they have the deepest pockets of any healthcare facility mm-hmm. in the state, and they're having that problem. So can, you can imagine when it's just. You know, a small, a smaller health, a mental health care facility or a smaller hospital, it's really a, it's a serious problem. 
And we're, they're going to be expanding the 988 emergency phone number, too. Yeah. I mean, I can only imagine it's going to increase the demand for people yes. to pick up that call. Yes. And, 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 you know, I've talked to a lot of people in that field and in related fields, and they really are concerned because of COVID, the stresses they've put people under. And I'm not just talking about, you know, adults, but children. And it's it's been a very, uh, we, you know, we've been gone through a, a real, real stressful time. And a lot of trauma has been, you know, people have gone through a lot of trauma. And this is really, we, we're not exactly prepared at this point to really deal with the full effects of it. And mental health professionals really has a pipe, in addition to just the pipeline, getting them into the into the state. There's also the issue of the yes. education to getting new people that are trained and ready. I yes. mean, you're talking four to eight years, depending on what your, uh, what your specific thing is. Yeah, and also, and really, also, you have to remember we're an older state, so people are aging out of uh, out of the industries because you know they just say, you know, I, I can't do it anymore, or I don't want to do it anymore. You know, you know, they mm-hmm. they're, they're at a certain age, and because we're one of the oldest in the state, we have a lot of we have that happening a lot in a lot of industries. You know, you can go down the list of industries that are desperate for for a pipeline of workers. You know, and construction is definitely one of them. One of the another big one is uh, auto technicians and, and mm. you know people with skills like that and it's not enough coming through to fill the needs. And that is a major concern for any business, you know, going forward. You know, how do you how do you continue to, to grow and, and thrive without having a a, con, a a good qualified workforce? Uh, so, so we just got a short little bit uh, of time left here. I mean, it looks like let's go optimistic on our way out of this episode. Does that sound good? Okay, sounds good to me. <laughs> Dogs are allowed to join in on outdoor dining per a new state law. <laughs> I, I, I hear, I hear your dog in the background occasionally. Yeah, you must be yeah, uh, pretty she's happy right here. here. She's, being, she's being a good girl right now. Yeah, that that's been an issue. That's uh, you know, it, it came, also came to rise in COVID. That that's. A lot of a lot of businesses allowed it, but then others, you know, weren't able to or didn't. So this is a way of making it easier for people to bring their dogs to uh, outdoor dining. Uh, and I speaking as just as the dog owner, we we love doing that with our dog. She is very well behaved, and she lo- she loves it, you know. And uh, it's it's a it's a thing. It's it's if you look at. I, I you know I we do I put out this our daily news browser, which if no one if you don't get it, you should. Uh, subscribe to it. It's free. It lists all the news for the day, business news. Gets in the e- your in- email inbox every morning. But anyway, um, there's been a, a, a raft of stories and different publications, different media sites on uh, cities and towns that are once again bringing back outdoor dining because the restaurant owners like that. It was a great, it, and they think it's successful COVID or post COVID at this point, mm. apparently. And uh, it's it brings in people who maybe who maybe a little hesitant still about going inside, or they're also because people that it gives them more space, more room to to, to serve people. Hmm. The flip side is the healthcare, the workforce shortage we're talking about, but that's another matter. Yeah, exactly. It's, 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 it's been great downtown Concord. Just to go absolutely. up for go up the street and sit, just sit down outside at a picnic table and have a burrito or like, something. I mean, it's not exactly a Champs Elysees, but it's still pretty nice, you know. Yeah, it is, definitely. All right, we're at time here. Jeff Feingold over at the New Hampshire Business Review. Thanks for joining me. Take care. NHBR.com to get the latest from them. You're listening to WKXL in the morning. I'm your host, AJ Kierstead.